0: The rest of you, open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're on our way through 1 Peter. And the Lord is teaching us what it means to be an elect exile. Chosen by Him. Walking against the flow of the world on our way to our new heaven and new earth. The country whose architect and builder is God. And today we're on verses 24 and 25. Last two verses of First Peter chapter 2. What if Calvary suddenly discovered the cure to cancer? Amen. Amen, right? What if somebody at Calvary said, hey, I figured it out. I can cure cancer. And what if somebody ha- here had cancer, but they said, don't believe it. I'm going to keep going to my oncologist and keep destroying my body with chemotherapy and radiology and see if that works. What if we didn't tell anybody outside these walls that we had the cure? What would that make us? Well, my friends, we have the cure of the pandemic that is killing everybody. The great malady of sin has a cure. And it is the wounds of the Lord Jesus. By his wounds we are healed. By his wounds. We are healed. And in the context of what we've been looking at, this is not primarily physical healing from physical sickness. This is primarily sin expressed through insubordination. Remember our our topic through chapter 2 is submission. Submission is our mission. As elect exiles, we do not raise our ugly heads like Lucifer and say, I am God, I will do whatever I want. We submit even to those who are not kind and loving out of reverence for Christ. We submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's the culture of heaven. And so when we talk about being healed from sin, we're talking about Christ likeness being formed in us. Let's read these two verses together. This is from the ESV, so you might follow along in your NIV just to have two serious ideas about how the translation could have come into English. I hope you have something to take notes with. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds you have been healed, for you are straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. May God bless this reading of his word. See how Peter, the faithful Jew, echoes the prophet Isaiah in both of these verses. By his wounds you have been healed, comes right out of Isaiah 53. Uh, Verse 6 of that chapter says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Do you see the culture of hell in that verse? Everyone has turned to his own way. And let me tell you, a baby doesn't have to be taught to do that. Babies are born twisted to love themselves. We are all born lost, born corrupt, born into sin, Objects of wrath, Ephesians 2 says. On our way to God's just, fiery wrath for sin because of who we are and who our parents are. But as I studied these verses this week, I got stuck on the first two words. He himself. He himself. The Old Testament says that God searched for someone to stand in the gap and didn't find anyone. No one righteous. And so He Himself stood in the gap between us and His just wrath. Out of His love, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree. See, Peter knew Jesus the man. He knew how he smelled when he was sweaty. He went swimming with him. He slept who knows where in the weeds on their way to Jerusalem with him. He watched him eat and take a bath. And when he says he himself, he's talking about his friend, the Lord Jesus. We dare not skip over the fact... That Jesus Himself is our salvation. Christianity doesn't save anybody. It's not a system. It's not a doctrine primarily. It's a person. That's why in John 17, 3, Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they would know you and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. He Himself bore your sins and my sins in His body on the tree. My friend, don't miss Jesus you can memorize the Bible like the Pharisees did and not come to Jesus on your knees and say Lord it's you who have loved me it's you I love because you first loved me it's about your knowledge of Jesus and if you don't have it you're in danger of arriving at the judgment and having him look at you and you say well I was a member of Calvary and he'll say I never knew you He himself. Do you know him? Do you know the person, Jesus? No, not by hearing it with these ears, but by knowing his love in your heart through what he's done for you. My friend, if you were the only one on the earth, he would have come and he would have stood in your place and died your death so that you could live his life. He loves us. He wants to save us. He made you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows your end and your beginning. He is our peace. But It says he bore our sins in his body on the tree. Such specific language. This is not theological. This is physical. I had to imagine this week the whip marks. Pressing my sin into his back. The nails piercing his skin and flesh. And as that happened, taking God's just wrath over me into his own body so that I would be free of it. He took my sin, past, present, future, into his very physical body. The Old Testament in Hebrews echoes this, says, a body you have prepared for me. Suddenly, the eternal, invisible, infinite God has a body at a place and a time so that he could bear our sins in that body to the cross and be killed with our sin. That's a miracle. And we're going to talk a little bit about how you and I access that here in 2022 in Sao Paulo. There's a way. But first you need to know that this is true. He bore your sins to the cross in his body. And see, Peter uses the word tree echoing another reality of Old Testament, which uh, Paul also echoes in Galatians three thirteen and 14. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. That's Deuteronomy 21. So that in Christ, Paul says, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit of, through faith. So Christ Jesus became a curse for you, for me, so that we could be blessed in Him. He took our curse. He substituted Himself through His body and died our death. 2 Corinthians 5.21, well-known verse, but here it is, through Paul. Out for our sake, because He loved us, He made him he made him god the father made god the son in a sense he made himself to be sin who knew no sin that's my sin in his body so that in him we might become the righteousness of god same thing peter is echoing here in chapter two the key to that is in him in him are you am i in him. And again, we're going to refer to that in the application section. But why did he do this? And it's right here in this verse. That we might die to sin. He took your sins, he took my sins into his body so that I could die to sin. So that it would no longer have to control me. So I wouldn't have to be a slave to it. He extracts my sin, he dies with it that I might die to sin and live to righteousness. Now, the verb tense here is interesting. And I want to look at all the verbs in these two verses for a second so that we can tell what the timing is on this. First, he bore, he bore our sins in his body on the tree. That's past indicative. That's done. It is finished. He did it And I praise God that our worship today is not just some ideas somebody had. It's not just some good words that are spoken over you. It's a fact. It's history. We don't know the exact date, but it has one. Right? It was recorded in the annals of Roman history that a Jewish teacher was killed on a Roman cross. It's true. It happened. Right? Done. Finished. Praise God. But here's a subjunctive, kind of conditional tense. That we might die to sin, and that we might live to righteousness. The possibility has been opened. Grace has opened the door of heaven. But faith must access that door. By grace, through faith, you are saved. There's a response required. It's For everyone but not everyone goes in and my question to you urgently today is have you gone in have you accessed this resource of dying to your sin and living to righteousness because the ball is in your court we have a couple more verbs This one is present perfect. That means somebody has healed me. In the present, the effect of the past is done as well. I have been healed by his wounds if I have gone into that open door by faith. Praise the Lord. We were straying. That's past progressive. Everything we did was straying. But we have returned. Present perfect. We've done it. If you are in Christ... You have returned to him as your shepherd and as your overseer. I hope that blesses you as it did me this week to see that my dying to sin is conditional on my believing in Christ and counting myself dead by faith in the power of the Holy Spirit, which he has given me, but which in his sovereignty right now, he's given me a choice, whether I want to be died to dead to my sin or whether I don't. Here's my problem sin is really fun. Sin is really fun. It tastes good. It looks beautiful. Satan is an angel of light. Too often in church, we make sin to to be something horrible and ugly, and it is, but it doesn't look like that. It's sugar-coated. And so I must constantly die to sin, count myself dead to sin in Christ and say no every morning with the new mercies available to me to that which is destroying me. What does that mean? First, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, help me. For the love of Christ constrains us because we have concluded that one has died for all and therefore all have died. He died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him who for their sake died and was raised. Again, the key is this is true for those who are in Christ. In Christ, He dies with my sin. In Christ, I can live to His righteousness. Verse 21 of 2 Corinthians 5 says, For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of god nobody makes us do that jesus has paid the price he has cut the chain but you get to decide if you will continue to allow your sin to to take control of your mind and your body or die to it sin is more than doing bad things Like I said earlier in the context of chapter 2 of 1 Peter, sin is the lack of submission. It is insubordination, not obeying Christ as the King. When Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you, if you are not loving, you are sinning. When Jesus says, go and make disciples, if you don't obey, there's a problem. When he says, don't worry about anything, and we worry, that's sinful. And we need to die to it. Righteousness, in a similar way, is more than not doing bad stuff. Righteousness is obeying God's commands, living Christ's life since he died my death. Let's go back to that Colossians 3 passage a little bit that we read this morning. What a rich place to look at how this works out in our daily lives. Colossians 3, and we'll just read the first few verses of that great chapter. If then you have been raised with Christ, there's the condition. Have you received Christ? Have you come into His body through His wounds in confession and repentance? If you have, seek the things that are above. There's your dying to sin and living to righteousness. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above not on things that are on earth. That's something we do. We set our minds. It's like changing the channel of your brain. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, died to sin, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Where Christ, who is your, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and all these things. uh, You must put them all away. Just like Peter says. Do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. And have put on the new self. Which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. These are all imperatives. Commands that teach us how to die to our sin and live to righteousness. Then verse 25. uh, Wait, I think I skipped one. Oh yeah, that's where we were talking about dying to sin and living to righteousness. Sorry about that. Now it's when we're on by his wounds we have been healed. And this image became very precious. I think more precious than ever in my life to me this week as I was meditating on it. That we're talking about the sin sick soul. The problem is, we don't know we're sick. We are dying of a sickness called sin, and we don't know our own danger. Here's what R.C. Sproul says. Think what would happen if suddenly the lights came on and everybody in the world said, hey, someday I have to stand before my maker and I have to give an account for every word that I ever spoke. Every deed that I ever did, for every thought that I've ever thought, or every task I have failed to do, I am accountable. If we understood that there is a holy God and that sin is an offense against that holy God, if we understood those two things, we would be breaking down the church to ask how, what must I do to be saved? If we only knew our danger because of sin, we would die to it. We would abandon it. We would throw ourselves at the merciful feet of the Lord Jesus. His wounds heal us from that sin. Hebrews 10, 20 says, A new and living way which He has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh. What a beautiful picture of access into this new life. So the veil in the temple separated the holy place from the holy of holies, where the presence of God was. The bread or the ark of the covenant was in the holy of holies. And when Jesus died, that veil was rent from top to bottom. Meaning, Jesus, God, has opened a way, has removed the barrier. There is access now through, Hebrews 10.20 says his flesh those are his wounds his wounds come to me when i open the door of my heart they heal me of my self-absorption and sin and then they make me part of his body through that open veil which he has rent in his flesh this week we had a meeting with some of our mission leaders and heard horrendous stories from Ukrainian Baptist pastors who are counseling many sisters of ours who have been repeatedly defiled by soldiers from Russia. The wounds of Jesus become precious when you have to have something to say to people like that. Teenagers who've been castrated and are trying to commit suicide and the Baptist pastors saying, no, there's still a purpose for your life. By his wounds, we are healed. By his wounds, we come into peace and hope that does not make sense in a filthy, wicked world. Have you come in? I'll never forget Cliff Barrows and George Beverly Shea came to Wheaton College when I was an undergrad student there. And hearing George sing, there is a balm, such passion in Gilead, that makes the wounded whole. Have you been made whole? Do you know your sins can be extracted by the body of Jesus if you will but surrender and believe? John Newton was that slave trader turned Christ follower who found amazing grace. He's the one that wrote the words to that great hymn, Amazing Grace. But this is another hymn he wrote, and it touched me this week with this truth. Physician of my sin-sick soul, to Thee I bring my case. My raging malady control, and heal me by Thy grace. Pity the anguish I endure, see how I mourn and pine, for never can I hope a cure from any hand but thine. I would disclose my whole complaint, but where shall I begin? No words of mine can fully paint that worst distemper, sin. It lies not in a single part, but through my frame is spread, a burning fever in my heart, a palsy in my head. It makes me deaf and dumb and blind and impotent and lame and overclouds and fills my mind with folly, fear, and shame. A thousand evil thoughts intrude tumultuous in my breast, which indispose me for my food and rob me of my rest. Lord, I am sick. Regard my cry and set <clears throat> my spirit free. Say, canst thou let a sinner die who longs to live to thee? What a beautiful prayer that should be on all of our lips. This is the greater works than these that Jesus said his disciples would do. The miraculous rebirth of a dead person in sin, the cleansing of what was born rotten, the straightening of the crooked way. And we must end with verse 25 straying like sheep all we like sheep have gone astray isaiah 30 15 says in returning and rest you shall be saved in quietness and trust shall be your strength see there's no way to earn it there's nothing you can do to pay to cure the sickness of your sin but jesus has done it and all we do is turn All we do is gaze at Him and say, Lord, heal me by your wounds. If you've never made that decision, today is the day of salvation. Make Him the shepherd of your soul. Whom are you following? Is it a political candidate? If your candidate loses today, will that destroy your life? I hope not. I hope you're following the suffering servant who is seated at the throne of God in total control and sovereign grace and we can fix our eyes on him and run the race laid out before us because he is our shepherd. He is our pastor. And Peter says he's our overseer. The overseer of our souls. Remember when Peter said a few verses ago that we abstain from sin which is warring against our soul. That sin keeps trying to defeat us and yet Jesus is the overseer watching out for our souls that we might grow in grace, be more and more peaceful and joyful and loving in the image of Christ that's growing in us. Return to him. And so we see that these two verses start with he himself and end with he himself. Coming back to Jesus as a person, as your friend, the one who loves you and that you love because he first loved you. And Jesus, when he went through all the towns and villages of Galilee, said he saw the multitudes that they were like sheep without a shepherd. People are looking for a shepherd. Just look at the streets. They're all looking for somebody to follow, somebody to solve the problem of life, somebody that will put the pieces together for them. We've found him. He's the one. Follow him return to him hopefully once and for all as a newborn creature but then day by day moment by moment saying lord i will not follow the money i will not follow the style i will not follow the instagram likes i will follow you i want to be like you be the overseer of my soul be my shepherd how should we apply this Number one, John 1, 12. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him, but to all who received him, to them he gave the right to become, to be born, children, sons, daughters of God, not by works, not by the will of a man, but by grace. Maybe he's knocking at the door of your heart this morning, Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Behold means listen. I'm standing here. I'm waiting. I'm knocking. I've done it. All you do is listen, hear the voice, open the door, and I will come in to her. I will come in to him and sup with him with her. Oh, my friend, if you've never made that choice, if you still think you're in control, you are under the just wrath of God with no one to stand in the gap. But Jesus has done it. And all you do is say, yes, I receive it. I hope you do that today. But second of all, we need to love Jesus. And if you lack love for Jesus, there's only one way to to go, one thing to do. Remember how he loves you because we love because he first loved us. Go back to the starting point and say, what is it that Jesus did for me? Number one, he wrote your name in the book of life before the creation of the world. Way back before you were even thought of. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He thought of you. He died for you. He rose again, and He's waiting for you in the glorious presence of God. And He's here today to say, I love you. Love Jesus, the man, the person. We can do that through the Holy Spirit, we can do that in prayer. But the main way we do that is in the body of Christ. This is His body. And it still bears our sins because we sin against each other and have to be over and over forgiven. That's why we talk about small groups. That's where you do that. You bear one another's sin. You forgive. You extend grace. You love one another because you love Him. And that's how we love Jesus. Remembering that He Himself is our salvation and our righteousness. Love the Lord Jesus. I hope you spend some time this week doing that. Maybe just lying in your bed before you fall asleep or after you wake up, humming a hymn saying, Jesus, I love you. And let him grow that love in your soul. Everything comes out. His love constrains us to do all that we do. And then take up your shield, take up your sword and die to your sin. Say no to your temptations. It's kind of like Novocaine, actually. I think Jesus, you can ask him for the grace to numb the pain of your temptation. Does someone else, has someone else hurt you and you feel like you deserve to be angry and bitter? Die to that right. That's what Jesus did. And he's calling us to follow him in it. Die to your sin. Paul says, count yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in jesus christ and follow the shepherd submit to him as your overseer so i was walking through a community one time a long time ago i think i might have actually told this story to you before but it deserves telling again because it was where god showed me how i access jesus in salvation I saw this boy across the soccer field playing with a videotape that he'd pulled out of a cassette box. It was about 30 meters long and it was flying in the wind and I could see the beginning and the end. And I, first I didn't know what it was and then I thought, well, that's a videotape. There's a movie on there. There are little squares, one after another, and there are people playing a story out on that videotape. And he was about 50 meters away so I could see the whole thing blowing in the wind and suddenly God said, that's how I see your life. That's how I see history. God's not bound to second by second like we are. He created time. Time is a dimension. He's outside of it. And when we die, I bet, I don't know this because the Bible's not very clear on such things, we come to his bosom and see it too. So that helps me when I think, how did Jesus in a body come into the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Well, it's easy. He was resurrected, ascended. And then he gets to go into the videotape wherever he decides. Popping in and out as he wants to. And by his spirit, he's in the whole story. And at any day, any point, any moment, he can knock on the door of my heart and say, hey, hey, Thomas, I'm here. I want to share this moment with you. Open the door, let me in. And that becomes an access into the eternal growing mountain of Christ's body, which is filling everything in every way. Through his sacrifice on the cross, he allows me access into the very Godhead as a member of the body of Christ, where he absorbs my sin into his dying body and gives me his indestructible eternal life. And I'm part of Jesus. I'm part of his body, and so are you, learning to take up my cross, die to my sin, live to his righteousness, all for his glory, because he did it all. All I did was believe and accept, and that becomes a great adventure that is sure to win, because he has done it. Another story I heard this week in that meeting of our mission was the story of Sylvester, A mountain of an African man lives in a violent neighborhood outside of Cape Town, South Africa, that is to this day controlled by gangs and drug dealing. And he was the head of a gang for years. Recruited young men to be part of his army so they could protect their area against other armed men. Well, during the pandemic, Mario, who's the man in black there, the Brazilian missionary with action, likes to race motorcycles, so he's got the faster, faster, faster church. He started feeding kids in that neighborhood. Well, actually, it was the neighborhood across the, the tracks. It was another, another neighborhood. And Sylvester noticed and started watching them very closely. First of all, who's this invading our area? And then why are they feeding 200 kids a day, five days a week throughout the pandemic? And then what is it they're preaching? And he came to Christ. Well, Mario said, wait a minute, you're a drug dealer and a gang leader. You can't be part of our team just yet. So you need to go to YWAM and do a discipleship training school. He left his wife and children and went for five months to do YWAM Cape Town. Learned what the Bible said. Learned who Jesus was. Went on a one-month outreach at the sheep and got baptized his wife and his children were there they've joined the church and when he came back he said now mari what do i do now he said well you need to do something uh, active you need to do some, some you used to be part of a gang now you can't do that so what are you going to do he opened a feeding center in his part of the part of the city so now he's feeding kids he's teaching kids these young men that he used to recruit into drug trading and becoming the righteousness of god in that place has it been easy His wife says one night they surrounded their house and were throwing rocks at the windows and saying, come out, we want to, we're going to show you a thing or two. And they just both got on their knees in their dark bedroom, didn't turn any lights on and started praying because they knew that all those guys were armed and they'd been part of that war. The gospel has borne the sin of a drug dealing gang leader out of his body into Christ's body. And Christ has died his death. And now this guy is living Christ's life in a place that you and I could probably not survive. And Mario told us at that meeting that even though a dozen young men were killed every quarter, in the past year, not a single one has been killed. In the year that the pandemic has been decreasing, not a single young man has been shot. There are a lot of fights. But no one has died. And they attribute that to the advance of the gospel. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper today. but I want you to bow your head right now with me first. And examine your heart. Are you in Christ? That's the question. Has He come into you and therefore you come into Him? Because only in Christ can any of this be true. He bore your sins in his body on the tree that you might die to sin and live to righteousness. Have you died once and for all to your old life and said, Jesus, now you are my life? If not, do it now. Say, yes, Lord. I bow my head. I give up my autonomy. I submit to your lordship. Believe and receive him as your shepherd and overseer. But I firmly believe most of you have already done that. And yet sin keeps raising its ugly head, doesn't it? Maybe you've lived to your sin too much this week. I'm sure all of us have done that to an extent. Would you remember Jesus' love for you? He bore your sins so that you could live His righteousness. Let those sins die with Him on the cross. Give them up. Die to them. And live to Him. And then finally, declare your new commitment again to follow Him as your shepherd. To submit to to him as your overseer. He commands your life, not you. He bought you with the precious price of his blood, and you are not your own. Lord, hear these commitments. Receive our little faith that we might access your great, abundant, sufficient atonement on the cross. Make us holy like you are holy that we might have communion with you through the veil that was your body. In Jesus' name, amen.